Handoff, Damian Williams trying to get to the edge, breaks a tackle, 35, 30, Damian Williams, 20, stays in bounds, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City! Acelera Williams, tiene el primer 10, escapa a la 20, a la 10, touchdown, Damien Williams. Oh, Damien Williams, peut-être oh, oublier l'affaire oh, avec cette course qui va jusqu'au touchdown. Damien Williams runs to immortality in Chiefs Kingdom. Get ready to welcome your champions. Hello and welcome to the Our Heads Abroad podcast. Uh, Duncan here along with Owen. Hello. And Neil. Hello. I've just spent 20 minutes chatting and I all of a sudden forgot. Honestly, this is, see this working from home thing. It's just, it's broken my head with names and everything. I get emails from people that I've worked with for three or four years and I don't have a clue who they are. <laughs> I just, oh, it's, it's uh, apologies for that. Owen and I hope not <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How are we guys? Yeah, good, good, good. Good, yeah, great. I'd, uh, I was thinking about this this afternoon when we were coming on and um, I was going to, to start with a little bit of Big Six chat and you'll see that we um, later on we'll, we'll chat with Kent Swanson and we, we've actually just not long finished chatting with him but in between chatting with him and chatting now we've um, it turns out that the, the European Super League the, the soccer uh, extravaganza that's been um, filling in the news channels over here has, has died a death already. So my whole intro's canned and uh, at least one of the jokes that we do with Kent has gone. So uh, enjoy that <laughs> bit. The um, news cycle these days is <laughs> exactly. just so short. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we're going to slightly wing a bit of a, um, an introduction. We, um, as I said, later we'll chat with Kent Swanson uh, from Arrowhead Pride. Um, just a little bit of a, well, we're going to call it an idiot's guide to drafting. So not necessarily talking about players and who the best tackle or edge or whoever is, but more just a slightly, what's the word, holistic view to constructing your draft boards, doing your mock drafts, you know, for the next week or so while the, the draft comes up. So that was really good to, to chat with him. Um, we'll drop that in at the end. Um, I guess we've... We've not spoken for a couple of weeks. It's been quiet in terms of news. I think we've not signed anyone of great note. Um, tackles. No tackle. I think we signed a. Did we sign a, a fullback? I think from the Saints, maybe. From the Saints. Yeah, yeah we, we did. Yeah. Uh, that's Takes one, dra- one draft need off the board. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I guess sort of news uh, is um, is still on the ground. I think I saw. That the the press conferences are back, so the guys are obviously back in Arrowhead or virtually. I wasn't I'm not quite sure, but Patrick Mahomes was on saying that he he reckons he's ahead of schedule in his um in his recovery. You saw pictures of him at the, the Masters Golf with a fairly chunky surgical boot on one foot. But good to hear that he's um, obviously feeling positive about recovery. Yeah, yeah, great news, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't it hadn't really crossed my mind this, like the um, until I saw the boot, and I, I think it was Pat McAfee that, that talked about it on Twitter because um, I think he tweeted him, and then Patrick Mahomes replied to it. Um, but yeah, it completely slipped my mind about this whole like the long term effects of it until I obviously saw the boot, and then I started worrying again. <laughs> um, but it's good to hear that he's uh, he's on the right he's on the right path. 
Turf toe, I kind of, I'd never heard of that. It's obviously not, I don't know what we call it over here, but I kind of had like a grass burn kind of thing in my head. <laughs> um, and then, then I Googled it and it's not, it's not, a, it's a pretty nasty looking thing on these, you know, these hippogriffies. It's not, it's not minor surgery. Um, so good that he's an amendment. He, he got his surgery like two, three days after the, the Super Bowl, I think. So they're obviously um, quick off the mark to get him on the mend. And have you seen, I don't know if you guys have seen, it's just, it's just one to my mind. Uh, have you seen the Bengals kit launch? Yes. Right. Yes, yeah. Ign- ignore the kit launch, but did you see Joe Burrow's knee? Yeah, yeah, with a big scar down the middle of it. Yeah, holy moly, he's got a big scar on his knee. If that's yeah, not telling was... you which way they're going to draft next week, I don't know what will. I mean, one of the photos exactly. was literally him with one of his legs up and his other his, his other leg on a head surgery on yeah. is right in view of the camera and, and it's pretty obvious like you, yeah. you can't miss it when you see the photo yeah that's no keyhole surgery that i mean i've got a nasty scar on my elbow which i'm quite happy to show anyone that, that wants but his is the <laughs> next level stuff it's um scale looking i think it also tells me uh that we need a left tackle mm-hmm. <laughs> We don't, sure. we don't. We don't. We don't want to see that. That's, you obviously got no idea how how he'll come back from that. I know. Um, I don't. I don't think we saw huge amounts of him, so it's difficult to really know what sort of quarterback he is. But it's difficult to know how sort of that limits his mobility or or anything like that. I'm sure he'll be fine. Well, fingers crossed. As fine as he can be. Yeah. Fingers That's crossed. Hope, he was a great prospect, so that'd be yeah. great to see him obviously in the league and obviously in the AFC. So. If he does develop and become a great quarterback, it'd be great to see him in Mahomes' uh, face-off over the next few years. As long as he's not that great. <laughs> yeah, slightly below Mahomes. Yeah. yeah, just below Mahomes, but you know, up there. Good, nice good quarterback, not great quarterback. <laughs> well, this, this is the thing, I guess. Oh, it's more more draft chat. Uh, I guess it's the only thing we've really got on the horizon at the moment. But I saw a thing, and it was like top, like the the, the top drafted quarterbacks over the last 10, 12 years. I don't know how long. And who's still there? And I think Baker Mayfield. He's like the only first overall pick. Not not you know Joe, Joe Burrow notwithstanding, obviously, because when they've been there one year, that's still with his current team or saw out more than three years or something like that. You know, um, I mean it's Kyler Murray, but he was what 2018, I think. Kyler or 2019? Yeah, maybe, of course. Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's not obviously three years; it's only a couple. So yeah, just it, 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 I, th- I think to me it just shows. I mean, we have quite a lot of uh, back and forth in the kind of WhatsApp of whether we, how how much value we put in the draft. But I just think it shows that if your franchise is already broken, laying it all on the shoulders of a 22-year-old kid is going to be difficult. It's a foolproof plan. Well, exactly. There's, they, they talk, the, the Browns have got three first overall picks on their team now. Like, that's a good thing somehow. <laughs> I didn't. I, I guess there's not a lot to talk about. I didn't. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. No, I hear you. And this is why I keep saying, trade back and pick as many picks as you can, and hope for the best because it's it's a lottery, you know. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, we'll see. Uh, um, our live mock draft 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 daganza. Does that, does that work? Draft a Gunza. Draft a Gunza. Draft a Palooza. 
trademark that quick. No, I'll try I said, well, well, I like Drafted Guns too, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop that off here. Uh, we'll come back with something uh, snappy. But um, we had lots of fun doing that last year, so we'll kind of do a live mock draft um, in the run-up to the draft. So that, that's that's probably our next show. So that's that's something to look forward to. We certainly enjoy it. So, yes. Um, yeah, hopefully it's good fun. Have a beer and uh, and work out who we're going to pick next. We were wildly long wrong last year, so... Uh, oh, I look back at look back at our picks from last year and I'll say if I was a GM I'd be fired by now yeah it's a, it's a low bar to cover I was going to say yeah it's yeah. yeah I guess in the, the other uh, news sticking with injured quarterbacks um, our other Chiefs related news is, is Alex Smith's retirement which I think uh, what was yesterday now day before yesterday um, I guess is well, I found it a bit of a relief, to be honest with you. I didn't enjoy watching him get pummeled. You know, that first game that he went in oh, when against Donald the round. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, p- personally, I think what we'll maybe just do for the, the rest of the show is just have a bit of an Alex Smith appreciation moment. Um, because he, uh, I I don't think the Chiefs are where they are now if, if we didn't, if we don't take him back uh, 2013. I think he was transformative for the Chiefs. Completely agreed. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. He, he was the steady hand we needed at, at the right time. I think we've lost Owen. Speaking of injured quarterbacks, yeah. Uh, yeah. Owen's oh, no, so he's we'll, back. He's back. I have returned. We'll, Hello. We'll crack on. Owen's back. Well done. Um, yeah, Alex Smith. Um, I think he's he played something like sixteen years. Um, Obviously, Niners, Chiefs, and then the last uh, two or three in Washington. Um, I think not. I think even notwithstanding his comeback from the injury, I think he's still quite remarkable. I think. I think the like I said, the way that he, the part he had to play in the Chiefs' turnaround from sort of twenty thirteen with Andy Reid coming in is. Um, I don't think you can measure that. No, you can't put a price. And at a, his season where they drafted Mahomes, and then he played knowing that he wasn't going to play another season after that, and still everything he did during that season and all the teaching that went on, kind of behind the scenes, teaching Mahomes what he needed to be, or what he needed to do to be the player he is now. Um, you know that stuff's priceless. You just n- not everybody would do that. I'll tell you that much. I think like from. From even before, like when Mahomes came in, like like you said, Duncan, from that 2013, was it 2013 that he joined us, Alex Smith? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. From like that, where the state that the, the franchise was in beforehand. Um, I mean, Neil, you probably know this more than anyone, but mm-hmm. the way he built that winning that winning culture alongside Andy Reid, and they have really helped to define like what the Chiefs were in the 2010s, and then leading into the Mahomes era, he really was that that bridge into what we have now and like, I don't think we'd be in the position we are now without his influence on the game and certainly me as a Chiefs fan personally from watching the Chiefs in, in Wembley back in 2015 was my first experience of, of, of the sport and of the league and seeing him do what he did to the Detroit Lions uh, on the ground as much as he did through the air um, yeah it was uh, it was it was great to see and obviously a huge impact on this on this team yeah I think that there's there's like, there's like this culture in Sport in general, I think when someone retires, you kind of you, you, 
everybody feels the need to, to rate their career. Julian Edelman retires. Oh, is he a Hall of Famer or is he not? Philip Rivers, the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, we kind of get the same with, with Alex, Alex Smith. And I think that it's all right to just say he was fairly rated. You know, um, I think once you get over the number one pick and the kind of really tough start that he had, um, you know, at the Niners and then, I guess, getting dropped for some sort of whiskey he was going to transform the game um, in Colin Kaepernick. And then the same happening, you know, to um, to him in Kansas City. I think it, it's, it's all right to just say Alex Smith was what he was. Um, but as a character and a personality, um, you know, head and shoulders above so many other, other people. I guess my point is, if all that you can come on to the timeline and say at the moment is, Alex Smith wasn't that great, Alex Smith held us back, then keep that to yourself for now, because that is so irrelevant at the moment. So irrelevant. He won us the first playoff game for God knows how long. Um, he had a MVP-ish <laughs> season, <laughs> you know, there's highs and lows in there, but I, I think overall, just the standards he set, the sort of, the level of, he just raised the floor, that's the right term, he raised the floor of where the Chiefs should be permanently, and I don't think it's going to go back down for a very long time. No, completely. Do you have a personal favourite Chiefs, uh, uh, Alex Smith Chiefs game? Because I have a couple that come to my mind. I'm, I'm pretty like you. I'm, I'm biased. I, I loved seeing them play in, in London. Mm. Um, we knocked them out of the park that day. They, they weren't a very good team. But then neither were we at that point. We um, were like a five-game losing streak. We won the... Yeah, what were we? We'd, uh, we won, won, the week bef- we'd won the week before, yeah. So we'd won, lost the first five, then won the week before. And I don't think they lost again that season until no, the playoffs. No, they went ten straight after that game, didn't they? Yeah. Was that the season that we beat... Houston thirty nil in the yeah. in the wild card and then got knocked out by the Steelers, wasn't it in the division? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that was obviously my my first season like following the Chiefs, so I think I remember that quite well. Um, but yeah, for me, it was between that one and Week One in New England in two thousand seventeen, I think it was, or two thousand sixteen even, when they were just coming off a Super Bowl win and we put the hammer on them. Was that the cream I think it was hunt, Cream Hunch rookie season? Years. I think when he yeah, fumbled yeah. it on his first carry and then just yeah. went off for the rest of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, two great games as, as he as had a, a couple of fans, he, so. like we we had a big one against the Patriots at home as well under him, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, uh, I'll quickly Google that. While you yeah, no, he's he's, he's 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 smashed Brady up a couple of times. I mean, I guess my uh, do you know it's probably not even an Alex Smith play when you in reality, but I love the Hill Mary. Which is more? I reckon oh, that's more. Does, yeah. That's more on Andy Reid against the Cowboys, where they're expecting a, um, they're expecting the bomb because it's seconds to the half, we're ten points down or something like that. But that little sort of disguised dink over the top, which I accept is not necessarily a, um, it's not necessarily all in Axe Smith, but he made the throw, so I'm going to give it to him. I, I really like that. That's just that's the kind of that's like the Chiefs' creativity. I think Andy Reid's kind of. And they mind all kind of all encapsulated in one play for me. The the game I was thinking was twenty fourteen, Chiefs forty one, Patriots fourteen. Alex Smith was twenty of twenty six for two forty eight, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Well, yeah, 
yeah, that's got to be up there. Obviously, for for you, a bit before, slightly before my time. Yeah, I think for a lot of Chiefs fans, probably over over here in the UK, as much as you know, more than um, more than in the states, he's he's probably the quarterback that a lot of fans remember because he would have been, you know, game passes are is our access into the NFL for a lot of people. So he, for guys like me even, he's the only Chiefs quarterback that we've that I've been able to watch, or the first one, sorry, that was able to watch regularly, every week. You know, um, not just highlights, you know, kind of snippeted highlights here and there as to whatever, you know, the, the BBC or Channel 4 decided to show, you know, of some kind of middling team from the Midwest, which, you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have featured very highly in any of those, those highlight packages. Um, He's the first quarterback that we, you know, that you know, like guys like myself and Owen would have been able to watch week on week, um, you know, and kind of build your build your fanship from there. I think my first quarterback I'd watch on a regular basis. Well, I, I can remember back to Elvis Gerback and his battle with Rich Gannon. That's going back a while. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I would have seen those every week, though. Uh, that's because that's when you'd kind of be Armed Forces Radio on a Sunday night, trying to get it drifting in and out on long wave, trying to find a frequency that you can listen to, and hoping it was the Chiefs playing. Guys, um, guys like guys like Owen won't know what a wireless is. No, you know. no, he won't. Yeah, not true. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I'm speaking alien language to Owen. There. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Probably regular ones would be like the likes of Brody Croyle. Um, kind of sometime around there. Would probably when you'd first kind of see them on a relatively regular basis on TV. But even then, that would be kind of patchy. That have been about 2010 or thereabouts, I want to say. Um, I'm just Googling again yeah. as I talk. Certainly. Uh Watching the Chiefs back then was a different a different prospect to watching the Chiefs nowadays. Yeah, you didn't get many primetime games on Sky, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Very different. I think it's just uh, it's a measure of where we've come, I think. Croyle, um, 2006 to 2010. Yeah. Yeah, there, there were some pretty barren years for quarterbacks after those years. I mean, and those... Um, Actually, do you know what we should we should dig that out again? You you wrote an article, Neil. Was it last in the off season last year about yeah. the kind of ups and downs uh, yeah. of watching the Chiefs? So you know, for ev- for for folk who are genuinely on the we're not doing a good job, you know, the, the Super Bowl was a disgrace. Any of that sort of you know, if you're all on that bandwagon, we'll we'll dig Neil's article out. Think back to the the darker days of watching the Chiefs win. Two or three games a season. Um, yeah, twenty twelve. Even go back. Twenty twelve would be the most recent. It's, it's that was that two. Ago. That was two and fourteen, wasn't it? Yeah. Because that that was. Um, Hazel was pregnant with Chloe at the time, and we were in New Orleans, and that was one of our two wins that season. I was very very lucky to actually see a win, that year. Um, yeah, that was twenty twelve. Yeah, and that was like we were garbage that year. I couldn't even tell you who was our quarterback at that time actually. See that's it. Getting getting blown out in a Super Bowl sucks, but it doesn't suck as much as that. No, absolutely. Not. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'll take losing a Super Bowl to go in two and fourteen any day. 
and then we draft what Fisher with the number one pick. Yeah, yeah, and then that was the Andy Reid. That was when Andy Reid then came in, and yeah. obviously with Alex Smith as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly, and that's where the the roller coaster. Well, I say roller coaster. Leveled off. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good. That's, a, yeah, that's when things calm down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's our Andy Reid, um, God, our Alex Smith appreciation uh, moment done. I think he's um, long earned his retirement. Um, long may that be. Glad he gets to, to go off on his own terms and healthy, which I think was probably certainly in the balance when he was in a military hospital with some sort of cage around his knee for a, for a while. Um, if anyone needs to know, if, if you've not watched it, go back and watch. I think it's called Project 11, is that what it's called? Yeah. The, yeah, the Alex Smith yeah. documentary. That's um, it's uh, stirring stuff. If you're um, don't do it when you're when you're eating your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> probably the it's probably the best advice. Yeah, that's sound advice. <laughs> cool. Anyway, I guess we'll um, we'll wrap that up there. Um, next up is our draft, our idiot's guide to the draft with Kent Swanson. So stick about for that. That's um, that's really good stuff. That's a highlight of the. Of the podcast, not the um, big not six the jokes. minutes ramble we've done. Not, well, not the. I was going to say, I've got, I, I, honestly, I've got it in my notes on my phone. I've got 10 minutes of big six, big 12, Super League based comedy gold that no one will ever get to hear. <laughs> that, that's what Florentino Perez and Edward Ward, that, they've got a lot to answer for, let me tell you. And, and if you don't know who Florentino Perez and Edward would are, go and look them up. Uh, yeah, ex- exactly. They, they are un- un- unemployed bums. That's what they are. Yes, unemployed they bums are. at the moment. Very happily that they're unemployed as well. Yeah. Is, that, is that libel? I don't know. Cut that out. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> allegedly. Let's, let's allegedly. stop there. Let's stop there and uh, get someone that knows what they're talking about. Colin. Thanks very much. So, as promised, we've got a, a special guest uh, with us to do some draft stuff. We, well, I thought we'd do an idiot's guide to drafting. So, um, I'll let the listeners decide who are the idiots and who are the uh, <laughs> who are the experts. But um, you know, Neil and Owen are here. Uh, but we've also got Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride. So, Kent, uh, welcome to Arrowheads Abroad. I am so excited to be talking, y'all. Uh, thank you, seriously. And and I really, like I was telling these guys before, I love fans outside of the KC Metro. It's a different kind of love. It's a different kind of dedication. And so i uh, just seriously honored to be to be talking to y'all today. No, well, thank you very much. That's that very kind. Um, like I said, we're going to do some draft talk and, and the words trade, uh, compensation, that sort of thing may come up. So yeah, I guess in the, in the last um, last week, well, you've had Tom Childs for a while, but you poached Brad Simcox from us as well recently. <laughs> and I think we just need to to talk about where, whether we owe you something or whether you are something. <laughs> I think yeah, y'all are gonna have to pay for this. I don't like the Great British invasions that happen in here. <laughs> Come on, man! Like oh no, those guys are doing great. And like man, Tom, I love Tom. It's been so cool to work with him over the last year and. I'm sorry we pulled him away from all y'all, but uh, I do think we probably owe you a little bit. I'm sure, I'm we'll sure take a we'll seventh round pick. That'll be fine. Well, I, was <laughs> gonna, I was just going to say some uh, some Joe's barbecue, maybe. Uh, oh yeah, better, better again, yeah, better again. <laughs> well, um, we'll not, we'll not, we'll not push you on your preferred barbecue uh, joint kit. That's not fair. We'll have to, we'll have to get you some Jack Stack, is what you meant, right? Jack Stack. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I love Joe's. I had it yesterday. <laughs> making us jealous, Kent. Making I know. Jealous. I'm sorry. <laughs> right, I need to. I need to cleanse my timeline of that. Actually, there's two. There's, it's 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 too much sitting here in a, a dreary Monday lunchtime when I've got my tomato soup or whatever it was for lunch yesterday, and I see a Z-Man fly past my timeline. It's um, it's too much sometimes. <laughs> I won't tell you what I had then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that was fun having you on, Kent. Thanks very much. <laughs> hey, this hey, this lasted longer than the Super League, am I right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Topical, yes. Exactly. Um, who would be your? Who would be your? I was going to save that for our chat, but who would be your? Who would be your big six? My big six? Yeah, your big six NFL teams. To, if they if they had to break away. Well, I think I think you would have. You'd probably, I mean, you'd have, I think Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have dropped themselves in there for sure, right? I mean, yeah. I feel like our, our team would be in there. Um, whew, I think you would, from a legacy perspective, you're probably going with the Steelers, the Packers. Uh, I would, I would guess like the Rams are getting big and hot, which sucks, but they don't have great fans, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Cowboys, Giants, something like that. Six teams, home and away. That's that's ten and oh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, enough Super League talk. I'm sure. I'm sure everyone is more than sick of seeing all that sort of stuff, and especially these guys. Owen's a, a suffering Spurs fan. Neil is a, a, a longer yeah, suffering Man United yeah. fan. So we can maybe move on. Um, like I said, I guess we just wanted to talk some draft. We're now, what, nine, ten days away uh, from it. You guys at Arrowhead Pride have obviously been full steam ahead with your um, with your annual draft guide, which I think I would urge everyone to get. Um, it's not just a list of 300 players in any sort of random order, is it? It's a, it's a serious piece of work, isn't it, Kent? Yeah, we try to do something, like, Chiefs-specific. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of teams or a lot of, you know, teams out there that have these team specific books so we wanted to do something that was kind of like hey uh specific to the chiefs how does this player fit with the chiefs and so we did a bunch of write-ups we do this every year now it's like the third year doing it and so we try to tie it all back to to our favorite football team how does this draft pick affect the chiefs or how would this guy fit in kansas city and so that's kind of what kind of kind of built that so and how does the uh, when does the process start with that? Like, when do you actually get started on? Uh, so, when will you get started on the twenty twenty two KC draft guide? Probably June. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a year long process. So, like, I will probably take May off, and then we'll probably start getting some work ready for you know June, like around June. The earlier, the better, because it's always a mad dash at the end to get this thing done, uh, and we always think we have a little bit more time than we do. <laughs> so. Uh, you got to start as early as you can to try to get some of these guys in at least a little bit. So it's a year long process, but I mean, it's a labor of love. We love doing it and you have to love it. If you're going to do something like that. How, how different was this year to last year? I mean, not, not just the guys from you guys won't I guess there's no combine. There's no, you can't go and see the guys play. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's drastically different. Cause like normally we go to the, we go, we go to Mobile, Alabama for the senior bowl every year, which is a great opportunity to learn about these guys. One of the things that you get to do is you get to talk to all of them and get quotes from them. So like we've been able to get quotes the last two years from the combine and from, uh, you know, from the senior bowl and asking these guys specifically, what would it be like to be drafted by the chiefs? 
we didn't get to do that this year because even at the senior bowl, they were kind of limiting the access to the players. So we didn't really get to have those quotes, the athletic testing, you know, all the, the combine testing athletic scores didn't get any of that. You know, those are all big pieces of this whole thing. And so it really sucked to not be able to have some of the access that we were normally able to that it affected how we did the book a little bit this year, for sure. How accurate do you think players 40 times are then? Cause you see kind of teams going, yeah, maybe it's a 38, maybe it's a 39. Yeah. Right. I think that's the big problem is like all these, all these teams with their, with their, you know, pro days, it's like, that's, 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 that's this is going to be harder to, to help because like, yeah, some teams have notoriously fast grass. Some teams, maybe the 40 the yard dash is actually 39. So like, there's just, you know, some teams do things a little bit differently and it, it affects how we perceive these players are able to perceive them. Cool. So I guess, what, we're, what we thought we'd chat about was maybe some tips on, uh, to give tips for us, because we're going to do our own mock draft, our official Arrowhead Abroad mock draft, uh, some point between now and the, and the big event. And I guess your timeline will be the same as ours. It's full of people mock drafting. So we kind of want to, to maybe get some, a bit of steer on how best to, um, how best to use the guide, how best to, watch tape, how best to pick guys, who should we get at 31, should we go up, should we go down, that sort of stuff. So um, I guess starting on, you, you've mentioned not being able to go and see the guys play a bit. Um, how, how should we as rank amateurs uh, watch a player's tape? Like, should we just go on to Google, type in Tevin Jenkins highlights, watch five minutes that his agent has put <laughs> together, uh, uh, you know, and think he's the number one overall pick? Uh, what, what's the best way to, to do that? So I think the easiest way for people that want to watch prospects is there is some access on YouTube that you can identify, you know, you can go grab. So if you, um, if you grab a player, if you, if you wanted to watch Tevin Jenkins, for instance, um, I would type in Tevin Jenkins verse VS on YouTube. And a lot of times, you know, you'll be able to find full games of a player to kind of, you know, you'll, you'll, it's like a 13-minute cut-up of a broadcast view or an eight-minute broadcast view. Um, you know, and that's, that's something for fans that, you know, maybe don't have the access to the All-22. It's kind of a black market for the All-22 of college tape, so it's kind of it's, it's interesting to get access to that. But go to YouTube. Go to, you know, type in Rashad Bateman verse, and you're going to be able to get a few games of him, and you're going to get to see a four-minute you know, look at all of his game, all of his plays from one particular game. Highlights are fun and I like highlights, but I prefer to see the whole picture as much as I can. And that's a good way for fans to just watch four minutes of a Rashad Bateman, even the plays that maybe he doesn't make the drops or, you know, certain routes, maybe he doesn't run as well or isn't able to get off press coverage, stuff like that. I think that's a good way to start uh, and, and get a, an introduction to a player without just doing, you know, highlights. Cause I, I mean, highlights tell part of the story for sure, but not the entire story. What are you, what are you watching when you, when you grade these guys? Are you watching like his, his, his very best play, like his top 1%? Or are you watching the bottom ones? Cause they're the ones that will do the real damage in a, in a game. Or do you just average them out? And is this, is it sort of his 80, 90% snaps? Are these the most important ones? Yeah, it's a little bit more art than science for us. And it's not, you know, where, you know, like PFF, they do a play-by-play -play analysis. I think we're kind of just looking for the clues that tell us this guy can be developed into a very good player that has an ability to become a more consistent player. 
So it's not necessarily always just looking at the highs or the lows. It's, it's, it's trying to get a full picture of everything and understanding the context of a player and what things he very obviously struggles with that are easy to project or easy to, you know, um, you know, easy to fix. Or are there, is it something that, you know, he's just going to consist, consistently struggle? Like Alec, like Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, he's a guy, I have a lot of questions about his ability to handle power players, whether he's in the inside or the outside. He's a guy that has shown a, a real struggle to be, you know, strong in his lower half and, and play with good technique and be able to, to hold up. And he, he often gets pushed back farther into the pocket than you want. So you've got to have, you've got to answer and think about questions like that. Maybe he's sometimes, you know, a little bit lack of balance, or maybe there's a guy that has a little bit lack of balance, but shows a consistent ability to anchor or something like that. Those are when the, you, know, you just got to navigate those context clues and, and, and get the whole picture. What's the, how big is the jump between college and pros? Like you've got, you've got a guy who's completely dominating a, a college game but he's, is he playing against kids, you know, when he comes up against a, a fully grown, gnarly Mitchell Schwartz as a, as a no-lineman? You know, how, how different is that? I mean, it's huge. And I mean, these guys, these college kids, it's not their life. You know, a college kid only has a certain amount of hours he's allowed to be in the building uh, in college. So there's restrictions on how much time they're allowed to focus and devote their attention to football inside the building. So that, I think, plays a factor and then these guys come to the nfl and it's your entire job is is as a football player so the strength programs the technique that you're working on you know you're spending 10 hours a day in the building you know working to refine and become a good football player so the technique becomes drastically you know more important um and the athleticism of the entirety of the national football league is just different they're bigger faster stronger so there are no off days for a guy in the national football league, he's going to be up against an NFL quality caliber player every single snap because the guy's in the national football league. And that's just not the case. The level of competition and the details just, they go up exponentially as you, as you go to the next level. And bringing it back to, to like the, the guide has a, um, you've got a, like a, a chief's fit um, for, for each player. How important is that in, in the grand scheme of things? Um, should we, I guess the question is, when we're doing our mock drafts, should we discount anyone with a low fit as undraftable? Yeah, I think, you know, it's our opinion. You know, it's, it's, it's our opinion of the fit for the Chiefs, and it's just based off of the context clues that we have. You know, Steve Spagnuolo typically doesn't like 225-pound pass rushers. That's just not something he typically, you know, drafts. And... If he's going to draft somebody like that, it's probably as a Sam linebacker. So we, we, I would say medium and high fits in our guide are players that follow most or all of the typical types of players that Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo have liked on offense and defense. And I think that is a good way to help, um, you know, to help people maybe, you know, filter out some players potentially that may not be the perfect fit uh, for the Chiefs. Um, it's it's it, it takes a lot of things into consideration, but I think that is a way that you can you know use use the guide as as kind of helping you understand the players that are more likely to be taken or looked at by the Chiefs than others. I think that is a good way to approach it. And have there been um, have there been many players in like this year's uh, guide and this year's draft where 
you might not have put them highly as a big fit for the Chiefs, but just because of how much you like that player individually, you might have put them a bit higher than, than they would have been because of their fit with the Chiefs. Uh, so players that were maybe high on that we like that maybe aren't a fit? Yeah, yeah. Like you oh, might yeah. because of how much just because of how much you like them, regardless of the fit for the Chiefs. Oh, that happens every year. I mean, there's a lot of players in the draft every single year that we like. Um, you know, some of these smaller wide receivers, like I don't really know if the Chiefs are gonna be in on a smaller type wide receiver. You know, I know the Chiefs love their speed players, but they've got guys that they've you know, they've got to have manufactured touches, I think, you know. Um you know, McCole Hardman, they have to really try hard to get him involved. And they do like to get Tyreek Hill involved on some of these design plays. So you've got guys that already need the ball in some of that capacity. I would go like maybe go try to find a bigger type receiver, like a bigger body guy. I think someone to replace Sammy Watkins is a higher fit right now than maybe some of these smaller receivers that, you know, have some skills like Rondale Moore out of Purdue is a really highly regarded player um you know in this in this draft and i think he's a top 100 player i think you want to be in a top 100 player for us but i think i have a hard time seeing the chiefs going out and grabbing a guy like that just because they already have similar players to his skill set so i think that's we take all those things into consideration when we're looking at a high fit but there's definitely some players that we like that may aren't maybe aren't the perfect fit for this football team so when you're ranking your top 100 did you take chiefs fit into account and say you're a 67th player, well, he's not a good fit with the Chiefs, we'll move him down, and your 72nd is more of a fit, we move him up. No, I think, well, so like our big board is just a representation of our film grades um, adjusted. The only thing we adjust for with our, with our top 300 is positional value. So we think quarterback is a more valuable position than running back. And so we do adjust the grades like that. We don't adjust for Chiefs fit. Um, we just kind of try to stack the board, which I think, you know, the top 300 represents, you know, uh, a lot. I mean, to the Chiefs, the Chiefs board is going to be smaller than the top 300, for instance, you know, because there are some players that just don't fit what they do. Um, but the top 300 itself is just kind of our overview of every single player. You know, the top 300 players of all the players we watch, those are the guys that we like the most, um, regardless of fit for the Chiefs specifically. And then the details for every single player in their page on, you know, the, the write-ups for them kind of tell you the chiefs fit and whether or not they're a high medium or low. When you speak about rankings there, that, I guess my, my hang up, if you like, doing, doing a sort of a mock draft is when we get to 31 or, or 63 or whatever it is, I find it really difficult to draft a player who's ranked too far below that. So like when it comes to either doing the draft or on actual draft night and the Chiefs at 31 pick the guy who you guys have got ranked 45 or, you know, another website has ranked 45 or 50, should, should we freak out about that? Or is, is that, is that, does that just reflect that they like that individual guy? So, I mean, I think I, I'm kind of like that too sometimes. And like, I have to fight myself a little bit on that, but I think you've got to like, I think it just depends on how big of a gap there are is between the 30th and the 45th best player, for instance, you know, I don't think there's a big gap in our grading scale, even for the um, you know, for the, you know, like the, the gap isn't that big of a difference between what we think of the 30th best player and the 45th best player. It, it most likely, I don't have it in front of me right now. Most likely we see both of those guys as starters, as guys that could start as early as year one. 
And so if you look at it from that perspective, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Landon Dickerson, for instance, has a slightly higher grade than, um, than, you know, Walker little, who's our 50th best player. He does have a, there is a gap between them, but we both, we, we see both of those players similarly still, because, you know, it's not like it's a, a giant crater. These are guys that we think have a chance to be good quality NFL players. Um, and so then when you take into, you know, take into account, you know, positions of need, you take into account how maybe, you know, all the players between the 30th and the 50th best player in this draft for us may not necessarily be perfect fit for the chiefs, like some of the running backs and safety, you know, maybe I think that kind of, you know, limits the pool a little bit and makes it, um, I, I think it adds a little bit of perspective. One of the things Matt Lane does in the book, and if you go to the bottom of the book, at the end of the book, he does a kind of a tier system. You know, uh, he, he puts players in tiers, and I think that helps you maybe not feel as bad about taking the 45th best player with pick 31. So I, I've kind of got myself a, a board together now using a similar kind of tiered system to what yeah. Matt does. And let's say I've got a bunch of edge rushers in the third round. Mm-hmm. There's uh, five guys in my list there who I, I would be happy with any of them. First round comes along, the offensive tackles are gone, and you're left with a couple of edge rushers that you like. And you know that in the third round, there's these guys, you're going to be kind of thinking, oh, great, I, I, I fancy my chances of getting one of those. Where where do you lean? Where are the Chiefs going to lean then with their thinking of, you know, are you going to take the guy you like now or are you going to wait? Cause you know, there's going to be guys you like later. So you talk about, you know, these little pockets uh, is really what you're talking about. And that's something yes. Brett Veach talks about all the time is pockets of players and understanding. I think the teams that have a lot of success in the NFL draft are the teams that look at it as pockets and you know, they, they navigate the board strategically and say, you know, they, they might like the value of the edge class in the third round. So even if the highest player on their board is an edge player, dependent on, you know, I mean, obviously if he's one of their high tier players, they're probably, if it's Jalen Phillips, they're probably just grabbing Jalen Phillips, you know, for instance, out of Miami. But more often than not, the the teams are trying to attack pockets of players. And so in that situation that you just presented, I actually think they'd probably just wait until round three in that round three pocket. If they're confident in that pool of players, I would just, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, you know, they just wait until round three to go identify and grab an edge and go take a different position that maybe doesn't have that same strength in certain rounds. Like that's, that's what's so fascinating to me about the draft and how even, I mean, Brett Veach has admitted to this, and this is one of the approaches they take is how they navigate the pockets of players. And, and that's something that you're, you're kind of just outlining there. And it's something that the chiefs employ. Um, have have the Chiefs painted themselves into a corner with free agency? Do they have to take a tackle in round one? Is that a kind of a if if nothing happens between now and next Thursday? I think it is. Do they have to take a tackle? Is it kind of a no? Is it a not not um? What's the word? Non-negotiable. Yeah, I think that I think they're pretty in a corner here. I really do. Um, I and I'm not saying that they're gonna go immediately and grab one. I just, I think there's some things that they can still do. They could go grab Russell Okum, and then grab a tackle at 63. You know, um, but I would be stunned if they don't take a tackle in the first two rounds of this draft. Absolutely stunned. I think there's a good class of these guys that make a lot of sense for them. I think um, they, they, there's a chance that the highest player on their board 
is a tackle when it's all said and done at 31, um, just because it's a good class. So I think they've got to just short-term and long-term. They need somebody long-term too. You know, they really do. They need, they, if they sign Russell Okung, they're going to run into the same problem here in a year. So you might as well take one now. Maybe you sign Russell Okung still and let the left tackle of the future develop behind him for a year or six games when he gets hurt. You know, um, I think, I think it's smart for them that they've got to be early on the tackle position. If it's a deep class, can you afford to leave it a bit later than say wide receiver? Everyone says wide receiver is a deep class. Could you be confident enough that you can say, right, I'll, I'll leave that till the fourth round because I know there's going to be guys there. You know, I, I don't have to kind of go Bateman in the first round or Marshall in the first round. If I know, um, I don't know, Nico Collins is going to be there in the fourth round or something like that. Like, c- can you afford to leave it a bit more if it's a deep class? Or do you still just go with the players you like high up? I think it goes back to the pockets and it just, it just how your Intel about this draft and how it's going to go, uh, what pool you believe will be there available to you. If you get that right, then that's how you navigate the board. Like with wide receiver, um, you know, maybe they don't feel as good about the types of receivers that they're going to be able to get in the third round. They think that's a lot of slot receivers, which I think it's a lot of slot receivers too. Um, that's where, you know, you might want to say, okay, I, if Rashad Bateman's there at 31, we're taking him because we really like how he fits for this football team. And then we'll just try to attack a different position later. So um, it all just kind of, it all winds up circling back to those pockets and your confidence level that you're going to get one of the guys you want and he's going to be available where you're at. Uh, we're, we're cheap. So we don't pay for Zoom. So we just had our... Uh... 10 minute warning. So we'll uh, got you for five more minutes, Kent. So there's one, there's one Perfect. question that I wanted to ask, which is not Chiefs. Uh, what quarterback do you not want to see the Broncos take? I don't want to see him take any of them. Uh, I don't want him to see, I like Trey Lance. If Trey Lance is there, is there, I don't want to see them draft any of them. Um, I want them to go all in on Drew Locke. I really do. I want them to continue to just believe in Drew Locke and give him one more year, one more fighting chance. That's the guy. If I if I had a choice of it, I'd just let them ride with Drew Locke because I think Trevor Lawrence obviously gone, Zach Wilson, but Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I don't want them touching Denver because the ceiling and the upside of those guys, I'm big fans of them. I think I think Justin Fields wound up as my personal quarterback too. So I don't want him anywhere near Denver because I believe in his talent. I believe in the player. I guess if Mac Jones is the guy, I can I can live with it because I don't. I'm not a Mac Jones fan at all. I don't understand this top ten love for Mac Jones. So maybe I guess Mac Jones is the one I want there. Could you see Denver trading up? Ah, uh, maybe. You know, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I think the right quarterback has to fall to the right spot for them. You know, and like, I, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I wouldn't be stunned if the first four picks in this draft are quarterbacks. I really wouldn't. Uh, and I'm hoping Mac Jones is the one on the outside looking in. I would love for Denver to trade up to five to try to grab Mac Jones. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Uh, I'm not a believer, but, uh, you know, he's got some fans out there for sure. What does your um, what does your draft night look like? Do you switch off, feet up, something cold in one hand, uh, and just enjoy it, or is is that when the hard work starts again for you? 
it's kind of a mix of both. Uh, normally we do. I normally I take the Friday off uh, of the draft, so I'm there on so Thursday night. I'm enjoying it. I'm hanging out. We normally do a we're doing a live stream. I think again around the draft pick, around the time the Chiefs get on the clock and and then reacting to the draft. Then Friday, it's just hanging out. Like normally, back you know, back before the pandemic, maybe we go see a we would go see the Marvels Marvel movies that are out. You know, we go see you know we went and saw Endgame and stuff. You know, a couple years ago. So it turns it's like a whole weekend for me. I enjoy it during the day, but then at night it gets exhausting because there's a lot of podcasting, there's a lot of live streaming, all that kind of stuff. But I I normally try to like isolate myself and and my time to, to kind of enjoy the whole thing. Cause it's, I mean, it's a long, it's a lot of work to get to this point. So I, it's, it's my, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. And I, I like to enjoy it as much as I can. And uh, in fact, speaking of getting barbecue, it's, it's KC 2022, isn't it? Uh, I think it's 20, it might be 23, but I think it might be 23. I'm not sure. I, I think it's 23, but I, I don't know whenever it is, I'm irrationally excited about it. I cannot <laughs> wait. I mean, it's going to be so cool to, to, to put the city on display here and, and get a draft, um, which, I mean, it's, it's like a dream for me to, for this to happen. And I'm hoping I can get credentialed for it. I'm sure you know the right, the right people at the right places. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I guess if anyone else has anything else they want to, well, we've got Kent uh, here. Otherwise, we'll um, let him get back on his day. We'll stop Zoom getting angry with the flashing uh, messages. It's just me, right. Um, if you were doing mock drafts, trading, like, do you bother or, because I'd be a serial trade downer um, and, and, and a never trade upper, really. Like, would you bother with trades in a mock draft or would you just let it run and kind of fly with it as it goes? So I think, yeah, I think sometimes we play around with some mock draft trade scenarios. You know, for us and for me personally, the, 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 mock drafts is a way to, to lay out scenarios that could happen that might happen. You know, I think there's intense, there's different intents for a draft. You know, some people want to do what they think will happen. Uh, some people want to do what they would do or a mix of both, or, you know, like, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you can approach a mock draft. So, you know, I I'll play around with some trade some, if, you know, I, I, I you, you've got to at least consider the scenario. What happens if Brett trade Brett Veach trades up? Okay, so like, let's say he trades up. Now you're without a second round pick. How does that affect the rest of the draft? Those are the scenarios I really enjoy playing because it's it's fun to understand, you know, different ways that it could be approached and in the strategies and the whys and getting to play it and flesh it out yourself. I think is a lot of fun. And that's how I kind of approach mock drafts a lot of times. And, and speaking of trades, that trade value chart is in the guide. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's a really helpful tool, um, for me. And it's not something I created. I, I, I want to make sure, you know, we try to make sure that people understand it's rich Hill. Um, and he does, a, you know, I think we say that at the very first page, but it'll help you understand how, you know, the value of a trade and, and kind of that uses historical data from the last, I don't know, 20 drafts to kind of get a picture of how much each team has valued picks in the past and does, does the math for you. So that's kind of how we've used it. And, we wanted to give it to people, you know, as part of the guide, so they can kind of get a picture of it too. It's helpful in showing that um, it's not that realistic for us to get up to get Penny Sewell at ten or whatever. Oh man, uh, that's a that's a. Would you give up next year's first for Penny Sewell if you had, if you could move up to if he was still there at eight, let's say? Would you give up next year's first to move up from? Oh, probably. 
Uh, if it, if it's all if all it's gonna cost is next year's first, probably would. Um, I think it would cost more than next year's first, though. It'd probably at minimum cost next year's first and this year's third at minimum. And I would guess it probably costs a little bit more too. Would you still do it for a first and a third? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's that good, is he? Is he that much I'm of a level? Hey, it's hard to get blue chip players when you're going to be picking in the 30s for the next 10 years. And with Patrick Mahomes, we're going to be picking in the 30s for the next 10 years. Yeah. yeah. 20. Did you see his tweet today? Yeah, so it's 20. Oh, 20. Exactly. Tweet of the day. Brilliant. So we're getting the flashing lights from Zoom. So, Kent, well, um, we'll wrap it up. And thank you very much for your time. Um, you, you said that you had some draft guides for uh, some of our international followers. So um, I, I guess you can slide in our DMs and we'll. No, I here I'll tweet it out. I'll 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 say it really quick. And I don't want a single U.S. listener to touch this this promo code. So let's 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 have some honor here. Promo code abroad will get you a draft guide for free. I have made it available. There's five of them available. Go to gum.co/slash/kcdraftguide21. The promo code abroad. We'll get you a free guide. I want to make sure it goes to someone overseas. I love y'all. It's so cool to see Cheese Kingdom outside of just the KC Metro. I love you and so much respect for, for all y'all. So uh, hopefully five outside of the U.S. people will be able to access that. Let's have some honor here in the U.S. people. <laughs> okay, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, and enjoy the, the, the week then to the, the draft. Thank you guys so much for having me on anytime. No worries. Thank you. Cheers, mate.